Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This premier independent fan experience podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and brings you honest and in-depth Montreal Canadiens discussion and entertainment. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudney are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 149, post-game, game four, dialing it in. Okay, I am joined now. I'm your host, Blaine Putvay, and I'm joined now by our, by my co-host, Trey Wilson. Hey. Uh, Matt Smith is not here. He couldn't show up, kind of like the Canadians tonight. I don't even know what to say, really. This twice now they fluttered and played not to lose for the first two periods, only to turn on the juice in the third when they're already down. This is a horribly coached team. I, I, I'm done. I'm done with Dom Ducharme. I'm done with this whole. It's like a horribly coached team. Uh, it's. I don't know. You're in the third period down by three. The fourth line shouldn't even see the ice, in my opinion. Shouldn't even see the ice. Maybe two shifts, maybe, just to give the the other guys a rest. Maybe and after a power just, play or something. Maybe. And he's just rolling four lines, sticking with the same thing. You need more offense from the defense. Well, we'll stick Merrill in there. We don't need Romanov. You know. Yeah, so I guy. wanted to get into that before the game. I mean, we're talking about game four. Last night was game three. It's a back-to-back night. I mean, a 2-1 loss in game three, it's, you know, it it hurts. But at least, at least they were in it, you know? And they still had some legs. So the next day rolls around. You have some older players. People are banged up a little bit. And... Do you do you make a change? Do you change out, say, a bottom pairing defenseman to throw in another guy to give some fresh legs? 
do you take a guy off the fourth line to put in some fresh legs there? No. No. He just sticks with the same Stuck crap. with his veterans. It's Julian 2.0. If you're going to if you're gonna if you're gonna go down, if you're gonna lose, lose with your best skilled players. Lose exactly. with your youth. Let them get in there, and at least you can say, you know, we lost. They gave me everything they had. They're developing and learning. You don't have that on this, especially on a team that's supposed to be still in the retool. Supposed to be. If you're yeah, still so- in your retool. Play your young guy. Play them. Exactly. You're retooling. They're, in, they're still right in the midst of the retool. Losing 4 nothing in game four at home, even in a retool, it's unacceptable. Embarrassing. It is a little bit embarrassing. And, and it's not like the Leafs dominated the game or took over. The Canadians lost this game. The Leafs did not win it. The Canadians handed them the win. Here, here's the biggest issue I found in this entire series. They don't want to shoot. They keep, especially on the power play. They just keep looking for that perfect play. If we get that perfect play, if we get that, per- oh well, we just lost the puck trying to get that perfect play. Oh, we're in the zone. Let's pass it around. Let's pass it around. Oh, Caulfield's open for the one timer, but I'm going to try to put it over to Perry, who got two guys on him down by the net. Yeah, like it's just shoot the goddamn puck just shoot it just shoot put perry in front of the net give it to a guy who can shoot and i'm shooting you uh, know it's on the uh, the power play you're right they they weren't shooting enough uh they had a hard time entering the zone you can tell they're missing drew Wang's zone entry skills oh, on the big power time. play they're missing drew Wang's puck passing skills uh they're missing a lot from drew Wang. like i mean i would yeah. love to see a line of Suzuki, Druin, and and uh, Caulfield, that would be a beautiful line for these playoffs. Um, but unfortunately, so we, we don't have. Let, let's let's dive into the power play here. They had four power plays. I mean, on paper they were power plays. They didn't do much with them. I thought tonight was better than before because they actually did get zone entries. In most exactly. Of the power plays they actually did control the zone and their power plays. The problem is, is all they did was pass it around. That's all they did. On the outside, oh, nothing into the center, nothing outside. up the middle. No, uh, I'm going to pass you. And everyone knew that everyone could tell that they were trying to set it up to get Caulfield open for a shot. And Toronto read it. Toronto read It was almost like trying to wind Weber up for the one-timer. And then well, they just stopped, they just stopped exactly giving it, it to Caulfield. Yeah. That's well, exactly that's, what it was. And, yeah. They set it up so that Weber wasn't there. They just put Caulfield in his place. So they didn't change yeah. the formula. They didn't change the look. They just changed the personnel. And and Toronto knew it. Toronto's like, all right, they're trying yeah. to get Caulfield the buck. Well, well just, we have already practiced to cover this. So yeah. what's the difference? We'll we'll just do the same thing. And then when Caulfield was open, they didn't pass it to him. There was what four? I saw four instances where he had his stick up in the air, ready for one timers. They looked then, at him. And then they and passed, then, Petrie passed it somewhere else. Yeah, they'd go down low or something. I, I um, don't know. Did, so the power play isn't really why they lost, but without the power play, which has not scored a goal all series, the penalty kill is outscoring the power play. 
Listen, um, Toronto's penalty kill hasn't been super great. I mean, it's been good. Don't get me, but it doesn't have to be. I don't think Cam Campbell's playing super great. A lot of the shots he's getting on him are from far out. They're hitting his belly pad. To Foley twice try to put a puck along the post with Campbell literally sitting on the post. Like, all right, go ahead. I don't mind those kinds of plays. I don't either, but I don't like when there's a guy open in the slot. You got to get you got to get some extra work on it. So the power play itself is not why they lost. No. The power play is not producing. How if it had been producing, maybe it could have helped them a little bit. But the basis of the why they're losing, they're losing the five on five game, which was the bread and butter of this team for the last couple of years. They can't, and it's not like Toronto is, you know dominating them skill wise they're just it doesn't seem that the canadians have that extra effort to win those puck battles along the boards i listen um i think brian wiles said it on twitter yesterday it's either him or it was grant mckeg i think it was grant mckeg actually you can't win a hockey game if you don't win the board battles and Montreal in the last two games is not winning the board battles at all. They're doing this actually, and I hate to do this because I'm not a big fan of his, but Berkshire said something that was actually quite funny and true. Montreal dumps the puck in. No, this listen, they dump the puck in to get the puck, to dump it back around, to get the puck, to bump it back around, to get the puck, to dump it and then lose it and then skate out. Well, yeah, and that's exactly that's kind of, what they've been doing. Yeah, and I was get, I was getting around to that. Their style at the five on five when they're in the offensive zone has no. It used to be they would have the F one go straight to the net, F two and three would kind of do the inverse triangle, and they would create a cone up the up the middle of the ice. So they'd end up creating traffic and getting shots, and they would do volume shooting under Julian. Now it's the F1 goes into one corner, the F2 goes into the other corner and F3 kind of goes against the boards. Everything is to the outside. There has been almost nothing to the net. There's no traffic in the net. There's no no rebound control in the net. There's no, and then everyone looks for someone else to shoot the puck. Everyone is looking for someone else to shoot the puck. Yeah, and the problem with the the problem with this offensive scheme is everything's a one and done. If you do get a chance on a on a partial break or in transition, you get the shot off. It you know out out around the other side gone. Uh, if you do get any zone penetration and you you keep it in the zone, they keep it to the outside, and when they do shoot, like you said, everything is unscreened it's right on the goaltender it's easily managed easily cleared there is no traffic there's no there tips, is no there's rebound no, there, there's nothing even the leaves defense just gets out of the way all right shoot the puck <laughs> the, and even gallagher gallagher's normally like he's not a big player but he's normally right there all the time but even he was slow to get to the front of the net sometimes there i don't know what's what's going on with him but Normally he's right in at every single play, but he hasn't been 
You can blame his his hand all you want, but it's not just his shooting that's off. It's no, his, it's his entire feet. game. It's his feet. It's his whatever. Tatar, tonight, skated towards the net, turns around, looks for a guy at the blue line, loses puck. Yeah. Uh, he did that two or three times tonight. Like, why aren't you just taking the puck to the net? Like, what are you – why? I even tweeted about it. And I just find the team is just – What's the word I'm looking for? They're just, I don't know. It's almost like they got paid to lose. I'm not going to know that's. I'm not going to say that, but it's just like they're, they're, they don't, they want to win, but they're like, we want to win, but they're missing something. They only want to win at this effort. I don't don't know. This is, this has been a winnable series. And yet it's been great hockey. They, They got two of their top players out with yeah. uh, Tavares and Foligno and they haven't really been playing great hockey. Uh, I will say I was right about one thing is Matthew blew his load in one game and he hasn't yeah. done anything since, which is but what the, he normally does. But the problem with the Leafs though is yeah, Matthews has blown his load, but for some reason, Nylander has stepped up. Good for him. And he's played well. That whole line, Galchenyuk has one point less than Montreal does as a team. Yeah, he has. He had three points in that game, and Montreal. Actually, I think he has just as many points because I think he had a point in the, the last night's game. I think he has four points, and Montreal has four goals. I and hope Gelchen. they sign him for a five by five deal after this. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just making a point. Like, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I mean. I don't mind losing. I I don't expect to win the series. So don't. No, no. None of us thought so. None of us thought so. But I expected more of an effort from the Canadians than this. Than four goals in four games. Well, especially coming into the season. So uh, coming into the year with all the moves that were made, we we looked at the the lineup and we thought, there's a team that's going to be based on hard work, discipline, They'll get a little extra scoring. That's a playoff team. They made the playoffs, but here in the playoffs, there's they're being outworked, even though they shouldn't be, and they're not getting the scoring from the guys they need the scoring from. They're, I truly believe, coming into the playoffs, that they would give Toronto... It's not that they're not giving... I don't want to say they're not giving Toronto a hard time, because Toronto isn't playing great hockey. They're not. I mean, they're like you said, they're winnable games. Like, if they play like this against Winnipeg, they're not going to beat Winnipeg. I'll tell you that right now. It's not going to happen. No, Winnipeg is on uh, a roll, and this, yeah. this, the way the Leafs are playing, it's not going to be a good series for them. No, uh, but it's just Montreal's playing worse. Like, if I didn't think they could play any worse. Nobody, Petrie's not playing good hockey. Petrie's not having a good playoffs at all. No, Gallagher's not. not having a good playoffs. Defoley's not having a good playoffs. Tatar's not having a good playoffs. Uh, Weber's not having a great playoffs. Um, you know what? Cole Caulfield's getting a lot of shots, creating a lot of action, but he's this last night, tonight, I didn't find he really did much of anything. He, he was actually one of the ones that were buzzing a little bit. He was, he was creating but... some plays. He got some shots. At least he was, you could see the effort there. He had won some puck battles. He's not the problem. I'm not saying he is the problem. He's not the fix either is what I'm trying to say. Well, no. And, and anyone like I've been, I've been touting him on Twitter and all that, you know, Hey, Cole watch, but I'm not looking at this kid and saying, 
there's a franchise changer right now. I never did, but a lot of people have. And uh, if they played him from if they played him from game one, I, I did not mind him sitting out a game or two. I didn't mind that. I I understood it. I seen what he was doing. Yeah. Do I think he should have been in? Yes, I think he should have been in from the start. But uh, it's just, the lines look good coming into tonight's game. You look at the lines, you go, you know what? This I like them lines. I like the, I like these lines. They look good. The Tatar Dano Gallagher line is terrible. It is terrible in this playoffs. Terrible. Which is saying a lot because this that line for a couple of years has been one of the top lines in the NHL. <clears throat> it's a top possession line this year in the NHL. It was a top line in NHL this year for possession stats. But come uh, playoff for time. Playing, and then come, I mean, Deneau's not doing a bad job keeping Matthews in check. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, uh, I I put this on the system, the coaching system in place. The players, uh, I, yeah, I expect more of an effort out of the players, but at the same time, they're trying to fill uh, the the coaching staff's desire. So they're trying to follow the system and the system does not, it's more of a rope and dope style. You, you'll notice that they kind of allow Toronto to come in because they come in with their four, uh, with four players. So the defenseman joins the rush. The fifth player, the other defenseman stays back a little bit. So it's kind of like a T. So they're trying to suck them in, get a turnover and flip the puck into that gap between the two defensemen. So they can create uh, create that offensive rush, but it's not working because the system requires all five Montreal Canadiens to be within a 15 foot radius of each other. It's much too tight, and you cannot stretch out the box. You cannot stretch out a pass if you're playing too close together. And the reason it is so close together, and the system has to be that way, is roster construction. When your defense are slower and less mobile it forces you to play in a certain manner players come down deeper and that when you're stuck playing defense more you don't have as much energy to push back on offense so you're sapped your energy is sapped it all ties together and it all starts at roster construction I, I, I agree with you to a point, but you do have guys like Petrie and Kulak who can give you that, that push. Unless so they don't step up. And that, that's what I'm trying to say. Like yeah. Petrie is the biggest disappointment, I think, for me in this playoffs. Like you wouldn't even know he's there half the time. I don't know. Um, is he playing hurt? I'm wondering if he's playing. I hurt. don't know, but man, he's just He's this terrible. Like there's just so many players I can think about that I don't expect to be this terrible, and they're terrible. Toffoli, Gallagher, Petrie, Tatar. They're just terrible. Well, when you've got you've got defense, your defense is set up to be a little bit slower, a little bit more physical. It's set up to be that mid '90s to mid 2000s type of style defenseman. Yes, Petrie is more mobile, but he's really the, the only mm-hmm. top, a true top mm-hmm. four puck mover. The rest are all, um, if you're playing a Nintendo ice hockey, it's all the big guys, just like in the mid nineties. Um, but the, and the forwards are all the tiny guys, you know, the, the little guys and the medium guys that can really skate. 
So you have a slower defense and a faster offense. That those two don't jive. It's it's you need to pick one or the other. And that's on Bergevin. I mean, Bergevin's known for years since this retool started. He's needed a top four left-handed left-handed puck moving defenseman. I mean, I'll even take a right-handed puck moving defenseman. I don't well, care. Since Markov left. Yeah. Since well, yeah, but he'd gotten by without it until and now. Well, I guess he hasn't. So Markov left around the same time as the retool. So yeah. Um, yeah, and he's. I don't even think he's tried to get a puck moving left-handed defenseman. He traded one away. I know that. Um, Which one? <laughs> Which Sergeant. one are you talking about? Sergachev. But uh, and, and you know what? I was fine with that trade. Sergachev played four games. He didn't look all that great in the four games he played with Montreal, and they got what they thought would be their French superstar. Great French hope. There's there's reasons behind the trade. We're not going to get into that. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say it now. Mete is not the answer. Well, no, Mete wouldn't have provided the offense that you needed in these games. Oh. So everyone can shut up about the Mete thing. Um, Romanov could be an answer though. Romanov has speed, he has skill, and he can move the puck. And he uh, plays physical, so he correct. Would, he's a hybrid who would have made everybody happy. And this morning when he was taking the extra time on the ice, I thought that was for the uh, optional skate. That basically signaled he wasn't playing, which I thought was a mistake. You've got, uh, you've got a defense that played the night before he's fresh and he is mobile. So if you would have just taken say John Merrill out and replaced him with Romanov, even if you're not giving Romanov more ice time, at least he's there and he's available if he's doing well to give him more. And he provides a different dimension than Merrill would because he's more mobile and more physical. Merrill, may, it, when they acquired Merrill, he was, he was a very good, he, he, did, he did really well in Detroit and they expected to get the Red Wing style Merrill, but they didn't quite get that. He's... Um, he made a couple little errors, and I'm not going to blame him for anything. Like he's, he's essentially what they got, but not quite. But Romanov would have given a lot more layers. It would have provided different styles, different looks, and he would have been fresher. I mean, I personally don't think Merrill's playing terrible hockey. No. Um, I don't think any of the defensemen are playing terrible hockey. Um, they're just not playing. They're just not providing the offensive side of the puck that they need. And, and Ducharme's see Ducharme's quote at the presser, but why Romanov's not being in there really irked me. It was basically him saying, well, they didn't play all that bad. So why would I pull them out? They didn't play all that good either. And my point is you were starving for offense and you're going to go by, well, they didn't give up a lot of goals. They played really well defensively. I don't care. I don't care about defense anymore. I don't want to see any defense. I want to see scoring. I want to see, I want to see the team from the first 17 games of the season playing now. Like, we have the same players. What, what, what's going on here? We didn't get rid of anyone. 
the games are a little tighter. The, they're playing with a little bit. Uh, they're not. Uh, they're not as loose. I, I get it. Playing- you can still go back to that system, right? And they're not. Yeah. No, they're not. And we're talking about uh, a young player in Romanov who came. Uh, they burned an e- a year of ZLC last year. He practiced in the bubble, and they said, you know, he's NHL playoff ready now, but he can't play because of eligibility. So what happened? You burned an entire year. You said he was NHL playoff ready last year. Why aren't you played playing? all season long, but now he's not good enough to play in the playoffs. And John Merle is. That's what I mean. Romanov's not worse than John Merle. No, he's not. He may okay. No. He may not be better overall, right? I would say he. I would say he is. But the point I'm making is okay. You may look at it as go. Merle has the experience. He had that run with Vegas. And this is what I think Ducharme's looking at. Well, he had that run with Vegas. He has the experience. I don't care about experience. Experience isn't winning you hockey games right now. Your play-to-lose mentality is not winning. Or, sorry, play-to-not-lose mentality is not winning. You play And that's exactly how they've been playing. They've been playing not to lose. They've been playing touch-and-go tentative hockey. When you only have 13 shots after two periods and you're down 2-1 in a series, that's not good enough. And then you no. come out then you come out in the third and you're like, "Oh shit, we're down by 3. We better start playing now." You're too, it's too late. Sorry. Yeah, so they're down they're now they're now down 3 to 1 in the series. They're going back to Toronto. They've got a day off. What should in your opinion they do to get that extra offense. Well, first they got to put Romanov in. They got to break up Sherratt and Weber. They got to put a puck moving defenseman on every on every line, or what they have for puck moving defensemen on every line. And they have to start making their forward lines so that they're offensively uh, matched. Like I, I don't mind to Foley, Suzuki, and uh, Caulfield. You can keep that line. It's not really scoring, but it is creating offense and creating chances. Break up, break up the Gallagher Tatar Deneau line. Break it up. It's not working. Put a put put a line in there of Kotniemi Anderson. How about you do that? Kotniemi Anderson to Foley with uh, Caulfield, Suzuki, and I don't know someone Tatar Perry. Put Perry on that line. You know what I mean? Whatever. Do something. But I, I want to say put Ryan Paling and a couple of the other young guys there, but he's injured and you can't. But uh, I would say, or just throw all your youth out there and say, boys, go get it. Throw this system out of the window and go get it. And that's kind of what Use I'm your thinking. Talent. I'm kind Use of thinking talent. as well. Get the skilled guys in there. So uh, Stall did his best. He looked okay. Um Obviously, we'd want Evans in over him if Evans he's healthy. If he's, if he's healthy. healthy, yeah, sure. If he's not, then stall fine. Um, but I don't know. Find a way to get Yelonen in there, maybe if you want to get a little extra speed. Uh, like you said, on defense, Romanov has to get in there in that final game. It, put him in there. They lose that. They're and done. Put him on and put him in the top four. Put him in the top four. Give it. Give her. Say, you know, here you go, kid. Give Petrie, Ebenson, Weber, 
or Weber Romanov with Sherratt and Kulak. Go for it. Because Sherratt and Kulak were a decent pairing near the end of the season, so why not? Mm-hmm. You know, why I mean, not? Romanov, Weber wasn't a great pairing when they were together, but what do you got to lose? Well, you got nothing to lose. And unleash the kid. Yeah. Put Caulfield on the top line with Suzuki. I'd say Suzuki and Anderson. Caulfield, Suzuki, and Anderson. Throw Caulfield on the wrong sure. wing. Cares, whatever. Sure. And go for it. And stop stop waiting for things to happen. Stop. You, you, they're trying to galaxy brain this game. They're, they're laying back. They're waiting for Toronto to make a mistake so they can pounce. Um, you're not, you're not able to do that. You have to push the play. You have to force errors. Uh, Toronto is not going to just hand you a freebie. They're, they're playing. No, no, they're going to play. They're, they're going to play it tight. And now they're up three, one trap hockey. They're just going to say, all right, we don't need to score. No, really? Because you you got to beat us. We don't have to beat you. They've essentially been doing that. Uh, they've they've yeah. followed Ottawa's plan. Ottawa exposed the Canadians at the start of the season, and the Canadians have not adjusted to that. Uh, and I'm going to say now, I will not be surprised if there was a complete overhaul in the offseason in the manager. I don't think Bergevin's going to get – I hate to tell everyone this, but I don't think Bergevin's going anywhere. But uh, See, that's that was going to be the next part – that was going to be our next segment. So now we're going to just segue into our next segment. Okay. So I, I didn't know that. but Yeah. I, fe- um, I feel like shitting on the team for 27 minutes, for <laughs> shitting in our eyes for so long. Uh, but um, before we switch over to the segment – I want to give something good to the fans. I want them to have some good news. So one of our friends, a longtime listener, Andrew, AKA a Marshawn on Twitter, if you're following him, um, him and his wife, well, his wife, and he was there, uh, just had a baby boy. So congratulations to Andrew and his family on the birth of their second child. Another a big bouncing strapping baby boy um he sent me a picture in the dms cute as a button little nose you just want to just want to pinch your cheeks and you're like oh god oh god you know i kind of miss having kids that age but that's what grandkids are for so enjoy diaper duty for the next few years andrew and congratulations to your whole family yeah congrats andrew um so that hopefully Montreal wins a game for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's so a... I wanted to give something good to the fans. A little, there you go. A little pick me up. And uh, we're going to go back to what was going to happen. So this segment, we're going to get into it now is about the off season. What, what is your expectation with, management and coaching uh i i expect joel bouchard to become the head coach of the montreal canadians um and i expect dom Ducharme either become a, a an assistant again or become the coach of laval or totally be out of the out of a job that's it's same with alex burroughs i don't think alex burroughs should stay either um when it comes to mark bergevin I believe he will have his last year of GM as he still has one year on his contract. That's next year. Um, 
But if I were him, I would be pouncing hard on some of these free agents out there like Dougie Hamilton and Alexander Ovechkin. Um, do you if people they reach, sit there and if say, they reach out of the, uh, the UFA season? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, like you can sit there and say Ovechkin's a pipe dream, but it's really not. Throw the money at him. We are going to have a lot more money than people think because I don't think Druin's coming back. So there's five and a half million there. Um, well, it depends, right? It depends how they get rid of him, how they move him. If he go, if he doesn't come back, if he doesn't come back, if he doesn't come back, yeah. I, I'm just saying my opinion and my thoughts and my hopes because I think it would be better for him. I don't think Druin will be back. Yeah, sorry, but I like Druin. I hope he goes somewhere and succeeds. I wish he would have succeeded here. I thought he was succeeding here because I wasn't a Druin hater. Um, but Your name's not Rick <laughs> or Amy. Uh, but uh, people can put those two together and figure out what we're talking about. Um, but um, this isn't the right place for him. I, I just don't think it is. No. Um, no. And anyway, see, with Bergevin, though, I don't see how it would work with one year remaining on his contract if you don't extend him. So you go into the season after what's going on here. If the, if they if they win the next game and push it to a sixth game, maybe the fan base calms down because right now Habs fans are livid. They are, they're exasperated. They're, they're exhausted. And you know me, I'm not a Bergevin hater, but I would not, if they fire me, like, okay, I'm okay with this. But I'm not talking about just to him. I'm talking about in general with the team. They're just, they're tired and it does kind of stem from him. So with him having, uh, the final year, I can't see him entering the season as a lame duck because the media would be just awful. It. It, would, it would not go well. It depends on his offseason. If he goes into this offseason and doesn't make a – he had to fill his hole. Like, all right, last offseason, he filled some holes that and he needed to fill. Possibly one of the best offseasons a GM in Montreal has had in years. And in, people in were years. still pissed. And so I don't fault him on that. What I fault him on is at the trade deadline, he didn't build on that. He went out and got garbage. He, well, mind you, I didn't think Merle and Stahl were going to be garbage when we got them, but I don't think it's garbage. Uh, I think Stahl provides good, solid center depth. Merrill was good defensive depth. What he did was what he here. did in 2017. He went out and got. Big, slow, depth people. Yes, but that's not what you needed. You needed no. a puck-moving defenseman. So you should or, have went out and got a puck-moving defenseman. Or or not pick needed... up those guys and just let the coach – you force the coach to use the young guys. Use the, use the young guys. Exactly. And he went out – this offseason, like I say, he can – Probably with the expansion draft, you're going to lose between two and four million dollars, anywhere in that little range. Uh, I'm predicting Druin's not back. There's five and a half million there, depending on how they depending get rid of on what uh, what they lose at the at the expansion draft. That might be another hole that needs filling as well. Uh, if it's a defenseman, I really don't care because it's going to be Sherrod or Edmondson. But uh, I would say Sherrod. Sure, and I'm okay with that. I think um, they would. I personally believe that they would uh, protect Edmondson before Sherratt. 
Sure. And I'm, I'm okay with either one. Yeah. Protect either one. I'm okay with losing the other. Um, if they lose Allen, well, then that changes everything. But I don't think they're really going to lose Allen because Allen's not a number one. He's not a starter. And, and I think Seattle's going to go after a high-priced starter. So, um, But he got to go after Dougie Hamilton. He got to go after something in the offseason or make a trade to get that top four defenseman. And with o- and I'm, I'm telling you this, they got to make a pitch for Ovet. They need scoring. They need scoring. I'd be hard-pressed to see Ovechkin get anywhere close to the UFA season. I would... I'm just assuming he's going to get offered a five-year deal from Washington. That's right. Yeah. Well, and that's fine. A, they'll hand that's him a five-year deal. He's the face of the franchise. He's been there his entire career. He's won a cup there. I cannot see him leaving Washington. And I'm okay with that. My point is if he does hit the UFA market. Oh, then yeah. Throw Montreal, a truck at him. Montreal has to be the team that backs the truck up with the money in it and says, what do you want? Yeah. And I'm okay we'll with that. We'll give you all okay. their money. Yeah. Here's some Alsner <laughs> money. I, and I, I'm okay with that because it's yeah. Alexander Ovechkin and I will willing to take seven years of Alexander with two years of him in a wheelchair skating out to the ice. So I'm okay with that. Um, yeah. But they, they have to do something to, uh, yeah. but you're and absolutely I'm, right. Bergevin is going to need an extension going into this year, or I think he's going to have a very quiet off season because why would he, yeah. Why is he going to go out and say, all right, I'm going to get all these great players just to give this other GM a Stanley Cup? And, and here's, here's, here's the crux of it. You're the owner. You're Jeff Molson. And you're not sure you want to keep this guy for, for any longer than this year because he's under contract. You're like, eh, I'm not sure. Are you going to let him spend the kind of money he needs to spend on a guy like Ovechkin or Dougie Hamilton or, or you know, make a massive trade that would – alter the franchise for a few years if you're not willing to sign him you if you don't want to extend him now just fire him the lame duck a lame duck gm that has to make these big deals it does not work i sit down with the gm i'm jeff molson i sit down with bergevin and say what's your goddamn plan now what what is your plan going forward right this is to determine whether or not i sign you and if this is your plan because if it's the same as what you had before Especially on defense, this isn't going to work. Well, he was sold on the retool plan. And the retools at about, uh, they're just going into the fourth year of the retool now. So this is the point of the retool where he has to make that big step. But I'm okay with what he did on the forwards in the retool. I'm okay with that in Defoli. I'm okay with that in Anderson, Suzuki. I'm okay with the forward group. Is you're creating a whole defense of Mark Bergevin's. With a little bit more offensive talent, and a minus bit more, the own goals, and a little bit more defensive talent, and people who don't pick up the puck and throw it in their own net. That's but, right. You know what I mean? Like you're you're creating a whole bit of a little bit more talented Mark Bergevins, and yeah, you're trying to. I guess so. I would go into the off scene going, all right. You have all these draft picks. You have all these prospects. It's time to shit or get off the pot. We're going this way or we're going this way. Which way are we yeah. going? Are we going all in? Are we we spending? Uh, we're spending more money. Are we making the tr- these trades? Yeah, and this is why I'm still saying re- if we're still retooling, then you got to start getting rid of some shit here. <laughs> yeah. It should be. It shouldn't be retooling anymore. It should be finishing Re- moves. Yeah, yeah. And the retool should be over. 
Yeah. And building a 1990s defense with a 2021 forward core does not work, does not work. So you need to fix that defense. The forwards, I agree. I'm not, I'm, I don't have a real okay, problem with, with I mean, Tatar's probably gone. They're probably going to try I and keep Tatar... Dino. Gotta keep the I'm okay with Dino going. I'm still yeah. okay with Dino going. I know because you have Paling coming up. So they're going to have to make yeah. space for him too. And I think Evans is uh, the next to know. Maybe. I mean, we all said that about Deneau back when he first showed up too. I don't so, see the offense that uh, Deneau. I, I'm not worried about the offense when it comes to Evans. He's my third line. He's yeah. my third line uh, checking center. He's my third line checking center. Or well, my fourth line checking that. center. He, well, that's what I mean. If he's yeah. either my third or fourth line checking center, and then you got Paling, who's going to provide the offense you're going to lose from Deneau. Hopefully. So, Hopefully. So basically, I'm not too – I think they're going to keep Deneau. I do because he is the local boy. He's the francophone. They want to keep that, would, especially if they're getting rid of Deno or Deno uh, Drouin. I wouldn't be surprised if Birdman tries to sign them all. Yeah, at discounts. And if he Tatar. does that, if he does that, and if I was Molson, I'd be like, "Nope, you're done. You're done." Well, it depends how much. Now we have. I don't think it's going to be as discounted as we hope. No, of course not. But um, it's not it's not necessarily the forward group that needs to be jigged, rejigged. You're going to lose a player one way or the other, up front, uh, wherever it is. You're losing somebody off your roster. The Canadians are looking at about 18 to $20 million to spend next year to fill six roster spots. You've got some young, you got youth that can step in and play on the wings. You've got youth that are going to be moving up on center. Um, but you, it's the defense. You don't have any defensemen who are ready to step up from the minors yet. And that's why you got to go to Dougie Hamilton and say, what do you want? <laughs> that's why you, sh- you don't need to spend to keep Tatar and Deno and Armia. Pick one. Bring up some young guys and then yeah. spend your money on the back end. Now, uh, I don't know. I'm pro- I, I, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I was just going to say Tatar sitting when he was going to sit was a clear indication to me that they're probably not planning on bringing him back. Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. And I know that I've seen people saying, oh, we got to convince Norlander to come here a lot sooner. He's Norlander's not ready. Not ready. You can you can beg to have him here, and he could show up. He's not ready. And give he may not year. be the offensive force in the NHL that he is in the SHL. That's right. Just give him another year. Let him develop. Let him go. Let him do the, the, his thing. Don't rush these guys in. So the ones that would be ready are guys like Paling, Yelonen, those are the guys you call up. Those are the guys that are ready for stepping into the NHL. Brooke, maybe. Brooke, maybe. No, I, maybe. no, I, no. He's not ready. Yeah, yeah he took a big step up in the AHL this year. He did, but he's not ready. And Let Fleury him... took a step back. Fleury was injured. He's another guy that I think they could have on the on the roster next year, hmm. but he's a third pair guy. Yeah. What you need is the top four. 
this whole show, we've been tiptoeing around it. Top four left-handed puck mover. And what was I saying last summer? Top four left-handed puck mover. We all, everybody was. Everyone has been for the past three summers. Yes. So, and, but I keep coming back to lame duck GM. I cannot see a lame duck remaining. And either fire him or extend him. One or the other. That's right. So if he is fired, who could step in? Not Patrick Waugh. Dear God, no. Uh, you know who I would like to see, though, honestly, is Martin Brudeur. Mm-hmm. He's doing good work elsewhere as an assistant GM. He's got some management experience. You don't hear about him, you know, getting into yelling matches with players or coaches. Or He doesn't have a fiery personality. He might sleep with her sisters, but... Yeah, whatever. Only his wife's. <laughs> Sisters. Uh, I'd like to see Mark Hunter. I personally, even though he's not French, would like to see Mark Hunter, but he's not French, so it's not going to happen. But uh, war, he wore Habs uniforms, so you never know. Yeah. Hell, I'd bring Bob Ganey back. Yeah, but I think we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. The, The series isn't even done yet. What uh, I think, what before we wrap on paper, yeah, on paper, before we wrap up the show, we should kind of just go back to that. And game five in Toronto, we have to see a Canadians team actually put in that second effort. There, it's you lose, you're out. So, if I don't know, if they don't give an effort that we haven't seen since the start of the season, then I think there's going to be some major changes. I think all management and coaching has gone to be honest with you. And I think all players are pretty much on the table at that uh, as well. You could see another, and I'm okay with this. You could see a total rebuild. And if that's the case, price and Weber are gone. I think we're getting ahead of ourselves on that one. Mm Hmm. I don't think it'll happen. I think we're only really two, three players away from being a fairly good team, but you need the coach to put it in front of them. I think the team is pretty good right now. If they fix the puck moving side, because if you're constantly playing defense, you're completely spent. Don't have any creativity on offense. And that's what we've been seeing. If you have a defensive core made a stay at home defenseman, you stay home. The offense isn't going to the net. The offense, the offense isn't shooting enough. Uh, the offense is tired before it even gets into the offensive zone because they've been playing defense too long. So, game five, back against the wall, must win to to stay alive, and force a game six where fans can actually be in the stands. Like that should be, that should be the team's motto. Let's see our fans again. Win a game so you can see your damn fans in the stands. Win for the fans. Hashtag. Win for the fans. Hey, there we go. We got a new hashtag. Win for the fans. Win for the fans. They're going to – they're actually – you know what? They're probably just going, you know what? We'll do what Boston did. We'll spot them three games. Oh, Jesus. We'll go down three games to one and then just come back and bury them. I mean, you never know. I, I did say the, the Canadians were going to take it to seven. So you have to you have to lose – you have to lose three those games. three games first, right? Yeah. Got to win a couple now. 
But you know. But anyway, I Weird still say th- six, but we'll see. Okay. Now, this is where the team was in 2010. Kind of on the ropes, playing the same way. And then they just turned it around and beat the Capitals. Can happen. It could happen. So, uh, for those who have stuck through this show up to this point and are drunken ramblings because the team drove us to drink, um, here's your here's your moment of your moment of clarity, your moment of zen. It could happen. Good. I'm going to leave on a positive note because I was pretty angry coming into this. <laughs> no <laughs> shit. <laughs> pretty angry coming into this. I, I was. I was boycotting the third period, which I didn't do. Should have, but I didn't. And uh, I even told Blaine. I said, I'm not even watching this third period. He's like, we're still and podcasting. And I was like, I don't care. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm going to leave it on this. Toronto has a history of drop being up 3-1 and losing. Montreal has a history of being down 3-1 and coming back and winning. They're doing the Muhammad Ali rope-a-dope. They've been doing it all series. And you never know. They could come back and win this in an overtime game seven after being down 3-1 with six minutes to play. Mm. Okay. Okay. Let's do this. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. The cardiac Canadian strike again. How about that? Uh, but I did get my mystery bag and I got a jersey and a Suzuki shirt and a hat and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And uh, the uh, Habs Unfiltered uh, podcast is still offering $25 for every Montreal Canadiens win to the Children's Foundation. The Montreal we should have made it every Children's goal. <laughs> At least we could. <laughs> if we made it every goal, we still only be at 100 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay maybe we'll switch it up but for now we're sticking to the wins so if anyone from the montreal canadians that are listening and we know you are do it for the fans but do it for the kids the kids want to play too hashtag win for the fans you know the more you win the more money we spend and that's what you want because every penny of that it's going to go to those kids and they deserve it. So just for that reason, I want them to win many other reasons too, because let's be honest, Leaf fans are brutal at the worst of times. Oh my God. I didn't think if you've ever refined pure smug, I don't think you'd reach the level of smugness that I have seen online. So win a damn game. <laughs> oh well I, i'm gonna yeah. have to pay someone 100 bucks that i don't want to pay but anyway yeah fair yeah i knew they were gonna lose but i did it anyway <laughs> whatever this is why this is why i put money in charities instead yeah because no one's a loser <clears throat> when you give into charity <clears throat> all right so i think that pretty much does it for our show um i got more drinking to do after work. So do I, but we're sailors. But I actually have to go into work. Me too. Oh, I didn't think you were. I thought you're still working from home. No, no, no. Oh. 
you know, I got to go do a hazmat course. So I'm definitely drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I think that does it for the show. So I want to thank everyone for listening. Um, I know it's hard after a, a team loss, especially when it's done in that fashion. Uh, but so thank you for tuning in. Um, remember to, if you can, if you can donate to the children's charity, please do so. If you can't share the link that's on the Habs Unfiltered uh, Twitter page, uh, it's on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Check us out there. Um, So always remember, if you are talking about it, so are we. Have you ever needed a fragrance that matches your every social media post? Well, if you're on Twitter after dark and feel a little angry, you can wear Fire Perky. This fragrance is available on every social media site. Fire Perky. On every message board. Fire Perky. So when you need to smell like your social media accounts take a bath in fire perky, you'll need no other fragrance. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.